everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. He is risen. Some of y'all might be, not be familiar with this tradition, but on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection morning, there is a greeting that we would give, that the believers would give one another, and they would say, He is risen. And, and upon hearing that declaration that He is risen, the response would be, He is risen indeed. So we're going to do that again this morning. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Amen. Amen. It is so good to see you all this morning. We welcome you to City of Lights. Are you glad to be here? Are you excited to be here? Are you are here? So good to see so many of your smiling faces. I love Easter. I love seeing little kids in their little Easter outfits. You know, I know those Easter outfits were painstakingly selected. You know, the selection process is intense. I'm glad to see our city fam looking nice, looking clean. I can already see that some husbands had their wives help them out this year. He said, you're not going to jack up the Easter photo this year. I told you. Don't wear them shoes. Uh, so you're looking great, and, and I'm seeing some new faces that it's, it's, it's really great to see you here looking fly, looking fly. I'm a little bit disappointed. My only disappointment is that we have a severe lack of large hats with fake flowers and fruit and little birds. Um, so clearly we need to do an outreach, to focus targeted outreach for church mothers in the greater Indianapolis area. I remember I would visit my grandmother's church uh, some, and, and the pastor's wife and many other women would, would rock. I mean, you thought it was the Kentucky Derby. It was just Easter Sunday. And, uh, and I remember one Sunday sitting behind this lady who particularly had a big hat, and it had a bird that was like staring at me the whole service. I was like, leave me alone, bird, leave me alone. Just waiting, just turn it around. Birds are not spying on me. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, let's go ahead and begin this morning by turning to the gospel of Luke. The gospel means good news. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. And these gospels were first eyewitness accounts of the good news of Jesus, written by those that were with him. And so we're going to begin in Luke chapter 24, and I'm going to start in verse 1. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. These were angels, not just bedazzled guys. Be awkward. And they were frightened, and they bowed their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Father, we thank you that you're, because of your love, you sent your Son to live the life we should have lived, to die the death we should have died in our place, but to rise in victory three days later. We celebrate this work 
In Jesus' name, amen. Look at somebody next to you and say, it is finished. All right, I need to say it with some more gusto. We're going to wake up this morning. We got coffee. You got donut holes. Come on now. Resurrection power. Say, it is finished. It is finished. But it's not over. Look at somebody else. Say, it is finished. But it's not over. You know what I wish would be over? Winter. Anybody else? Am I the only one? Right? Say, hey, April, December called it once its season back. Like, just send it on back. And, and it, it's, I don't know what it is. Maybe winter has been excited. Uh, thank you, Kyle. Winter has been excited about the Pacer season. It's just trying to hang on for the playoffs. Uh, I, I don't know what that mess is. I, it, it would be great, wouldn't it, if, if the seasons, particularly in the Midwest where we have like 12 seasons and they just decide to come whenever they're going to come, would actually have a clear beginning date and an end date, Right? You know, I mean, speaking of sports, it's like, you know, anybody, any baseball fans in here excited about baseball kicking off? You know, I, I, wish, I wish the seasons, you know, apparently here in the Midwest, even though we have first day of spring and first day of summer, the Midwestern seasons have decided not to be oppressed under the heavy-handedness of nature and just freestyle. And I wish they would act like some of the sports seasons. You know, there's a clear beginning you got the preseason, there's the beginning of the season, then at some time there's a midpoint where you usually have an all-star game, and then it ends, you know, with, with the playoffs, and then as soon, it seems like the day after the playoffs, we're already making two early predictions about who's going to be the next champion, but there happens to be a beginning and an ending season, and I think that oftentimes we can have kind of a similar pattern or season, so to speak, when it comes to our religious culture, our religious rhythms. You know, summertime is kind of the off-season. People kind of go crazy. They go on vacation. They forget to go to church sometimes. They wild out a little bit, and then they start simmering down. OTAs hit about the fall where they're like, all right, I had a crazy summer. I need to get my junk together. You know, I have friends that tell me, like, I was just wilding out, but then I had a kid, and I was like, okay, I don't want them to be crazy like me, so let's go to church. Then we get into kind of our preseason, which is Thanksgiving. You know, we're trying to get our heart right. It's an attitude of gratitude. And then the season, kind of the, kind of the religious rhythm season kicks off with Christmas, right? Because re- Jesus is the reason for the season. So you got people that you haven't seen since last Easter. All of a sudden, they're like, hey, man, what time does service start? People trying to get all dolled up. You know, you're trying to figure out whose Christmas party you're not going to go to. And uh, we, we ride that Advent wave all the way through New Year's to Epiphany, where we're riding off the high of making new resolutions to pray more and to get my Bible more. I downloaded five new Bible apps. I'm only using one-ish, right? And then we, we, we take that wave on into the wave into Lent, where maybe we give up cussing or Twitter for a little bit. Some of y'all are like, <laughs> you almost made it. You almost made it. And then we take that into our Super Bowl, right? The postseason, Passion Week. Passion Week, we kick it off with Palm Sunday, waving Hosanna in the highest. People, you know, it's amazing to me. God bless. I'm, I'm thankful for opportunities to celebrate in different settings, but it's amazing, you know, how we have so many Christian faiths. It's great. I'm, I'm glad people declare things whether they believe them or not. Jesus is Lord, whether you believe it or not. But it's funny. People, you never heard anything from, you know, just start using phrases and thinking of all of the Easter phrases. And then we come into Good Friday. 
and then Silent Saturday, and then the Super Bowl of Super Bowls, Easter. And it's a celebration, and you show up, and you're looking good, and your grandmother brought you, or your mom brought you, or the girl that you like is going, so you're like, okay. But then it's almost like after Easter, it's like Easter was the end of the rhythm. So a couple weeks go by, maybe you fade off, and before you know it, it's summer again, you've t- completely disengaged, and you're off somewhere in the club. That I got saved about a week ago. <laughs> Going back to the old pattern and old life. I want you to know that that is not the life that God has intended for you to experience. And Easter by no stretch of the imagination, is to be the ending of some religious, cultural expression. But Easter marks the beginning. It marks the beginning of a new people. It marks the beginning of a new power that has been released. And it marks the beginning of a new purpose in the earth. Today is not just something that you can check off and we'll see you next year. I know, no condemnation, no shade. If you are a Christer, Christian, Easter-only Christian, God bless you. I'm glad you showed up. But that's not going to happen again in Jesus' name. Because I believe the power of God is here to meet you. That this is not going to be just a biannual trip that you make to find a place to maybe check off the box and feel better about yourself. Today is a day of resurrection power and resurrection life. Before the beginning, before the beginning, God, three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, were in perfect unity and perfect fellowship and lacking nothing. And out of perfect unity and fellowship, God desired to form us, to fill us with his spirit And for us to be fully alive in him, to share not only in his likeness, but also in mission as well. We were created and destined to be with God, to cultivate with God, to commune with God in a place called good. When he created over and over, the chorus rang, it is good, it is good, it is very good. That was our destiny. That was our calling. All things revolving around the central, most important aspect of our purpose to be with God. However, our first parents, Adam and Eve, in the garden, it was there at the beginning in Genesis that we see in chapter 3 that they rebelled against God. They rebelled against the greatest situation and opportunity provided for them. And as a result of that, Adam, our first father, exchanged our purpose of being in fellowship with God for one being separated from him in a fallen and a broken, sin-filled world. That was a rough day. And yet, God from the very beginning, the scripture tells us, that from the beginning, from the foundations of the earth, God had a plan to restore. I want you to know that the gospel, the good news, was not plan B. 
God did not send his son because, you know what? You screwed up. I don't know what I'm going to do now. I'll figure it out. Uh, let's cast lots. Who wants to go? All right, Jesus, uh, you're the youngest. You go. No, 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 no. From the very beginning, God had a plan that would begin to unfold. We see in chapter 3 of Genesis, and you go and you read that story, and I would encourage you to do that. If you want to know what you were meant for, if you want to know what things ought to look like, it's important to look at what they looked like before it all got jacked up. That's why we have the book of beginnings. And it says that God, from the flesh, from the skins of animals, he sacrificed two animals and made coverings for Adam and Eve. And this would be the foreshadowing, the first demonstration that the wages of sin, as the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. What does that mean? The cost of sin is death. And the only payment, the only thing that would satisfy that debt was the shedding of blood. And so in that moment, God made coverings for Adam and Eve. And throughout the Old Testament, in, in the writings of the prophets, you see this foreshadowing, this telling of the coming glory, of the coming victory. The scripture points to the arrival of the Savior. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that he came in as the person of Jesus. He came fully God, fully man, and lived the life that we should have lived and died the death that we should have died in our place. God understood that man's works weren't going to cut it. They couldn't obey the law. We see the Ten Commandments come into play in Exodus, but the reality was the Ten Commandments did more to demonstrate how far we were from God and the fact that we could not achieve it in our own power. And understanding that, and understanding that our works and our man-made efforts could not close the gap, he came in himself, and he came that he would live the life, a perfect and unblemished life. To end the temporary cycle of sacrifices and be the sacrifice of all sacrifices. I love the fact that when Jesus took upon our sin and our shame on the cross and he died, that a man called Joseph of Arimathea came and he wanted Jesus to be placed in his tomb. It was a tomb that he had carved out of a rock. And I think it's a beautiful picture of the fact that God, Jesus, stepped into our burial place for us. The place that was designated for our death. That he would take it upon himself. Now the good news is that even as Jesus took upon all of our sin, he paid the price for all sin for all time, that all of us who would receive and believe that he is the Son of God, that he was raised from the dead, that he is who he says he is, that we can have eternal life. But what I love about it is that there the cross was not the end. Say, it is finished. But it's not over. You see, three days later, which I love kind of the sassiness that the angels kind of come with in Luke. 
where they tell the women, and you see this in the, the, other, uh, the other gospels, where he says, he's not here. He rose like he said he would. Right? Like Jesus looked at them, and I'm paraphrasing y'all, but it's kind of like, what I tell you? I'm alive. Like you thought that they would have started to believe him when he started multiplying fish and loaves. Or like the walking across water thing might have been something where we're like, okay, we can probably believe this guy. I think he is truthful. But this was the announcement and a pronouncement to all creation, to all humanity, to every devil and demon in hell that you have lost and the kingdom of God is here. When he rose after the third day, it was a declaration of war. And at the same time, what's crazy is it wasn't just a declaration of war. It was like at the same time he showed up and was like, hey, the fight's on, but you already lost. Sorry, sorry, Satan. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. It wasn't a struggle. It wasn't a struggle for three days, right? God victoriously demonstrated that he was, Jesus demonstrated he was who he said he was. Now, our story doesn't end, though, in the Gospels. Because now, because of what Jesus did, remember I said at the beginning, the story was that we would be with God in a place called good. That God's desire was not just that we would be with him, but that all things would be restored and redeemed. And so when you look at the end of the Bible, when you look at the revelation of John, we see a picture that Jesus has returned and conquered all his foes and that every nation and every tribe and every tongue is together and worshiping in the new, in, in the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. Now, I don't know about you, but this morning when I woke up, I was still living in a world that had not yet been fully recreated. Yes? I, I, I still woke up and I had not quite yet received my glorified body. I woke up still feeling, though having his power on the inside, feeling the pressure of the outside that is still very much in need of a savior. When you look on the news, there's still death lingering. And so we find ourselves standing in that tension between the cross and the second coming. But that is why I love this so much. Is that God, Jesus, at the resurrection, he was not calling us just to come home. But he was calling us to three things. To be a new people with new power and a new purpose. First of all, Jesus, through the resurrection, means that we have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to be a new person. You have an opportunity to come alive in resurrection power. If you would turn with me to first. Corinthians, First Corinthians is in the New Testament, the latter quarter of your Bible if you're looking for it. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 20. It says, But in fact Christ has been risen from the dead, the firstfruits of all of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. That through the resurrection, through the resurrection of Jesus, it was not just him coming back to life in resurrection power, but it was now because of his sacrifice and his resurrection, an invitation that we who were fallen, we who had been marred by sin and shame, we who had been marked by death because of the sin of Adam that flooded into the world now could be reborn into resurrection life. As the song said, that we with tarnished robes, we who have been sullied, not just from Adam's sin, but by our own iniquity, in Jesus could come alive in Jesus now have new life and life more abundantly. We have a new identity. It means whatever label the enemy has put on you, whatever label has haunted you and taunted you throughout your life, that doesn't have to be your name any longer. You who were known as rejected, and constantly the enemy has told you time and time again, nobody cares about you, nobody would care if you died tomorrow that you can shake off and exchange that old label for a new label, that you are the righteousness of Christ, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you who maybe have battled and fought sickness or maybe disease and the enemy has labeled you as sickly and broken and used can walk under a new banner of healing and freed and redeemed and restored. You get a new identity. You become a new person because of the resurrection. But it's not just a new identity. It's not just that we become a new people because of the resurrection, but we also have new power. Because here was the problem before is that we had in, in Exodus, there was the law, the Ten Commandments. And unfortunately, some, maybe some of you in here and many people, all that they think about when they think of a caricature of the church is the do's and don'ts. What you can't do, what you can do. And usually it's what you can't do. Now, I don't know about you. I think it's probably a good thing that the scripture says, thou shalt not kill. I don't know about you. Anybody have about that? Just me? You know, thou shalt not steal. Great. We good with that? Okay, a little bit choir. We got some thieves in the house. God bless you. You know, downtown not commit adultery. You know, hide your kids, hide your wife. But the reality is that it doesn't matter what the rules were, we were incapable of keeping them. When you look at the New Testament, even the father of the faith, time and time again, it was demonstrated the most well-intentioned of us. At the end of the day, our works aren't enough. We can't will ourselves into freedom. We can't will ourselves into salvation. Some of you, you're here today almost as a last-ditch effort because you've read the books, you've taken the class, you've listened to the podcast, and you still can't get free. And the reason being is because you cannot get free apart from the resurrection power of Jesus. But when Jesus comes upon you, when you come alive in this resurrection power, now it is not you that live, but Christ in you. 
his power. The scripture says the same power that raised Christ from the dead is on the inside of you. And if it can raise Christ out of a tomb, a dark tomb, to be raised to life, surely he can raise you out of your pornography addiction today. That same power that raised Christ from the dead can raise you out of your broken marriage and into a marriage that is beautiful and bright and glorious and reflects his love. That because he was raised from the dead, you can have the power not just to pray for the sick, although you can pray for the sick, but you also have the power to tame your tongue. Shando. We have new power. We don't just have a law. We have the spirit that brings life and leads us and fuels us to accomplish the third thing, which is our new purpose. As I said before, the point was not merely for us to be restored in relationship. In the beginning, God created man and woman not just to, like, watch him, not just to poke at them, you know, not just to be like some really amazing sea monkeys. Anybody have sea monkeys growing up or Tamagotchi or just like any of those like sim characters where you create this world and you just kind of watch them and you poke them and you make them dance and do different things? God didn't create you just to be like a fun toy, like an, an ant farm. God made us to have relationship with us so that we could experience relationship, but also to cultivate the earth to make the earth better. Matthew 5 says that we are the salt of the earth, that we are the light of the world. Salt, you put salt on something, or depending on where you grew up, seasoning salt, whatever. But you put salt on something, why? To make it more flavorful, to make it better. The people of God, the resurrected people of God are here on this earth to make it better. Your job should be better because you are employed there. Your school should be better because you are teaching there or you are a student there. Your apartment should be better. Your house should be better. Your neighborhood should be better. The city should be better because the people of God are here. The city should be brighter because the light of the world is here. It's the reason we're called City of Lights because we believe God has called us not just to gather, not just to exist, but to shine brightly with his glory with his glorious light in the earth. You see, because of the resurrection, we are not spectators. We are not powerless victims gazing on to a world just happening. We have now been given a new identity. We have been given new power so that we, once again, with God, can be a part of redeeming the whole of the earth. Come on, somebody. Thank you. That one person is excited. I don't know about you guys. I'm excited to see our city transformed, to see the number of murders reduced because the number of glory is increasing. I'm excited to see people walking in unity and in reconciliation, not because we sang Kumbaya and came around in the Black History Month and said a lot of culturally acceptable phrases, but because the power of God is transforming people from the inside out, that I can be with you not just in a service, but I can actually be with you in life. God has given us a new purpose that whatever it is that God has called you to do, see, many of us 
prior to experiencing this kind of power because he has wired us. And it is he who made us. You have been functioning and you've actually been operating out of kind of a figment or a, uh, a shadow of your calling and purpose. You've only scratched the surface, even the most successful of you in here. Part of the trap for you is that you've done some things. You've made some money. You got the girl in the house and the car. But yet, you're still living below your calling and your true purpose. And much of what you've done has not been for your eternal purpose, which is to bring glory to God. It's just been to make you feel better about yourself. God doesn't want you to settle for that. He wants you to experience the fullness of not just existing, not just even having menial, temporary success, but building alongside of him, filled with his spirit, rejuvenated, regenerated, and restoring all things around you. That's the calling that you're called to. This resurrection, this Easter, it's so much more than just the moment. It marked the beginning. I know because rhythms and cultural rhythms are strong. We can try to fight them, but so often we just get caught back into the riptide. You're going to leave and it's almost like at times, unless you are intentional about it, there tends to be kind of like a letdown. You're like, okay, that was great. The music was great. The moment was fun. But then you get pulled back into old patterns. I believe that God has brought you here so that you can start anew. Today is a great day to begin this resurrection life. This morning, I want you to know that this isn't about, you know, the life of God and and, and this isn't about another plan of things, do's and don'ts. Jesus paid the full price. Jesus paid it all through his blood. He said in John, it is finished. That work is finished. But he's not over with you. He's here. If you're breathing this morning, it's because God in his love is not finished with you. Though many others may have been finished with you. He's not finished with you. He has a work he wants to do in you. He wants you to be a part of this. And he's giving you another opportunity, not just to show up, but to turn. The scripture calls it repentance. It's an act where we recognize that we've been going one way, the wrong way. And where we stop and we change our minds and we recognize Jesus And we begin to follow him. I wish that good works 
and being a nice person paid the debt. It doesn't. The reality is that the scripture very clearly tells us that Jesus' blood is the only blood that can satisfy that debt. And it doesn't matter how much you have it together or how many of you have been deceived that you have it together. The truth of the matter is that all of us have missed the mark. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. This morning, I want to give an opportunity for those of you who are here and you have done the religious cycle. You've gotten tired. Maybe you've grown tired of living life your own way or you've just recognized that living life your own way has not gotten you much, has not gotten you far. You've recognized and that you see by his spirit that you need him as the risen Savior. You want him to give you this new identity. You understand that you've come to the end of your power. You've come to a point where you understand your willpower and your books aren't going to do one lick of thing to save your marriage or to save your children or save you personally. And you're ready to stop and surrender. We want you to experience that life today. I want to ask the ministry team to come forward. Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundantly. Today is a day where I believe that many in here, your life is never going to be the same. Beginning today, you will be a new creation. Beginning today, you will have victory that you've never known that you had. You're going to have new victory, new life, a new family. You're going to be, become who God has called you to be in the relationship he's called you to be a part of. And there's going to be new vision and destiny that's awakened. But it begins with a turn. It begins by repenting and receiving the gift of Jesus. Scripture says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus was raised from the dead, that you will be saved. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to experience this resurrection life. If you're here today, and I said you're tired of living in shame, you recognize you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and today you want to come alive in Jesus, I want to ask you to get up right now from where you are and come forward. We want to pray for you. Right now. We're not going to bow our heads. We're not going to close our eyes. I want to encourage you and welcome you to come and be prayed for. Maybe you're here this morning. And maybe you, at one point in your life, you said a prayer. Maybe when you were a kid or maybe as you got a little bit older, but over time you have drifted. And today is a day where you are coming back home. It's a great day to come back to the Lord this morning. I want to invite you to stand up 
and come forward so that we can pray for you, so that we can love on you, and so that you can walk in newness of life. If that's you, stand up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If there's anyone else, I want to give you an opportunity. This is an opportunity this morning to break the cycle. Come on. God wants you to be free. He wants you to experience new life. This is what we're going to do right now. For those that came forward, we're going to go out these doors and back into the teen room. We want to pray for you. And I want to ask the other ministry team if you would just stay here with me, um, if you want to go on back with the two of them. And let's all stand up together. Because this is what I know. I'm thankful for what God is doing in those two women. But I know that every person in here is living in that tension. Living in the tension between the cross and the second coming. Living in that place where every day we have things that are happening in our lives that we need God's redemption and we need his power to touch. We have jobs that we're looking for and praying for. We have marriages that we're believing God's resurrection power to restore. Maybe some of you in here have been fighting sickness or grieving the loss of a loved one. We don't celebrate life because of our ignorance of the death that we still happen to be living among. We can celebrate him and we can have victory and we can have hope because he is the resurrection and the life. And so even in the midst of what we might be experiencing now, we can know because he said it is finished, it's not over. Death does not have the final say. Sickness does not have the final say. Even in the midst of the ache that you feel now, in the end, he wins. But I want to pray right now. I want to pray for all of us. And then I want to extend an invitation. If you're here this morning and you're hurting, you're here this morning and you need prayer. Maybe you don't need to give your life to the Lord, but you truly need to submit some things. And you need help. You've been carrying a weight that you cannot bear. We want to invite you to come up here. We've got people that want to pray for you, and we actually have others that will come up and pray as well. But we don't want you to leave here without experiencing the love and the resurrection power of Jesus. He is here, and this is the beginning. It's the beginning, not the end. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you so much that you so loved us that you sent your son not just to rescue us but to redeem us not just to pay a debt but to call us forth as a new people 
with new power and a new purpose that once again we could be with you in a place called good. That we can walk with you and live with you and have your resurrection power influencing and impacting for the good everything that we touch. Lord, I ask that right now that you would meet each and every person in here. Some who find themselves on the mountaintop in a great season of victory and breakthrough and others who are trying at times just to wake up the next day. Lord, I thank you that you are near to the broken. And I thank you that the resurrection gives hope to our deepest place of pain. So Lord, I ask that you would touch them right now. Lord, I pray for those who are battling sickness, whether it be a cold or something far more severe. Holy Spirit, I thank you that by the blood of Jesus and by his stripes that we are healed. And we declare healing over the broken, Lord. Lord, I pray for those who maybe have come to church and they, they call you their Lord and Savior, but they've been wounded, they've been hurt, and it's been real hard for them to ever come back to church, let alone be a part of a family, Lord, I pray that you would heal them right now, that you would restore their soul, Lord, that you would add them to family, Lord, that this would not be the last time they come into a community of faith before next season, that they would come on the field now and receive your power and be a part of your people, God. We thank you that you are with us, in us, and fueling us to be a part of your work. We bless you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook,